Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace. Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. It takes a lot to shock me nowadays. But if Fannie Willis, the DA in Fulton County, is not disqualified from this case, from the find the fraud, when no one actually said find the fraud, if the cash and the gray goose and the caviar and the Nathan Wade and the text messages and the pinging, if all of that doesn't meet the level of being disqualified, then I will, Jared, be surprised. And you know nothing as far as Democrats getting getting special treatment, nothing surprises me, but I will be a little taken aback. Yeah, I guess uh, the judge said, I could probably make this decision without hearing any arguments. Oh, really? But let's have them anyway. Never a good sign. No. No, if you're Fannie Willis, that's not good. It's it's like when they have uh, a trial and they come back really fast and they say, oh, the jury's come back really quickly. We, you can all come back in the room. They've already decided. If you're the person who's on the stand... I think that's a bad sign, right? You want them to be deliberating for a long time because then it's like, oh, no one can figure it out. But yeah, I think this Judge Scott McAfee, he's been, since the beginning, since he's watched these back and forths go down between Merchant and Fannie Willis and Merchant and Fannie Willis's uh, lover, Nathan Wade, ex-lover, he has been very skeptical, I think, of her story of the cash and the safe and all that. So we'll have more information on that when we come back. But very exciting stuff. And this is quickly becoming people's favorite segment i would say i would say it's very close with this and woker joke the downloads are phenomenal for last call with emma foley and it's time last call time now for your end of the week wrap up with emma foley it's last call last call last call last call let's go last call last call last call let's go last call Alrighty, so this is the time of the week where Emma comes in and she fills us in on some stories that we might have missed. What do you got for us today? Well, first, I want to wish you a happy start to Women's Month, Grace. Happy Women's Month. Is March Women's Month? It is. Okay, thanks. Happy Women's Month. Because Women's Day is in March and Women's Month is March, I suppose. And Jill Biden is going to launch. Surprise! Yes. And happy Women's Month to all women. But Jill Biden's going to launch a Biden campaign, a nationwide effort to win the women's vote. So Dr. Jill's going to head to swing states, including Georgia, Arizona, Nevada and Wisconsin. She starts today. She's going to go through Sunday. She said women put Joe Biden in the White House four years ago and women will do it again. However, that statement is not completely true. So President Biden did well with minority women and college-educated women, but it's that white, rural woman vote without a college degree and working-class women that actually went for Trump in 2016 and 2020. Well, you know, I was watching MSNBC. Just kidding, but I did see a cut from MSNBC, and they were talking about white, rural rage. Yes, so there's a book that came out called White, Rural Rage. Do you hate the word rural? It's hard to say, isn't it? It is hard to say. It's a mouthful. Yes. 
Um, and I, if you if you're angering the the white rural voters, first of all, that's hard to do. They they just want to be left alone. So if you're encroaching on them, you've passed the line. Yeah. Well, you know what? I I remember years ago. This was right after Trump was elected in 2016 and how he had Kurt Schlichter on. And I remember it was this great interview where Kurt Schlichter was explaining what uh, Hillary Clinton did wrong and why Trump was able to win. Because people forget, but it was a massive upset. Like a lot of I didn't think he was going to win. And one thing Kurt Schlichter said was, he goes, if you want to be mean to me, you know, I drive a Mercedes. I'm a lawyer. I live in California. That's one thing. He goes, but when you start making people feel dumb who are doing all the work, getting up early, busting their asses for this country. And, you know, a lot of times their kids are the ones serving in the military. Those are the people where if you tick them off, they show up. They tell their kids who are who are old enough, go out and vote. They get their whole family, their extended family, and it's a dangerous game to play, and those people can make the difference. And a lot of times it's the people doing the jobs that the people with college degrees who live on the coasts, who vote Democrat, don't know how to do, but need. They need truckers. They need welders. All of the above. Yeah. What do you try to say? They don't need We don't need any more keyboard warriors. You don't think keyboard warriors are the backbone of this society? I, I think all of us here are keyboard warriors. I am. Warrior is also tough to say. But we don't wear our pajamas into work. That's that's one thing. We work in an office. We don't work from home. So I think that we're, we're keyboard warriors, but we're a little bit more respectable. Oh, yeah. All right. Next up for you, Grace. This story has me dying laughing. Yeah, you've been talking about the Oompa Loompas all day. The Oompa Loompas. Uh, so this went viral. A video of a woman, a full-grown woman dressed as an Oompa Loompa went viral. We're wondering why. So Scotland, I guess Scotland doesn't really have serious problems. So this is major. This is a scandal in Scotland right now. I saw this. I saw this woman on Twitter. and She looked like an Oompa Loompa. She had a weird like coconut style wig on her head. The green. The she looks sad. She looks. That's what stood out to me was that she looks sad. Well, we're going to we're going to um, give justice to the Oompa Loompa later on. But let's okay. let's really break down what happened. So this was Glasgow's Willy Wonka experience. It was called a farce. The parents are angry. The children were crying. It was advertised as a celebration of chocolate in all its delightful forms. A paradise of sweets. It was going to have an enchanted garden, an imagination lab, and a twilight tunnel. Okay. Well, so what's wrong? So tickets were around $44 in American dollars. Family of four, that's almost $200. People show up. It's a <laughs> warehouse. It is completely empty. There's like a couple candy canes. There's like this life-size gummy bear. It's Firefest. Like they, they sold it as this magical experience and they didn't put any effort in. Exactly. The the organizer is called House of Illuminati, which should have been your first like, okay, why are we going to an Antenna event? should have popped up at that point. Right. And the the director of House of Illuminati, Billy Cole, came out, he blamed the disaster on the holographic technology not arriving in time. He says, Hopefully you'll be able to see there was every intention to hold the event. Meanwhile, there was an hour-long line outside the venue. Parents uh, went in and they realized that it was a 10-minute walk through this very depressing warehouse. There were some actors uh, mm-hmm. there and then the kids were handed, there was no chocolate, the kids were handed two jelly beans and a quarter, <laughs> a quarter Dixie cup of lemonade. 
by the Oompa Loompas. Well, they're, they're... You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. They must have made a lot of money. If they weren't willing to even fill up the full Dixie cup, they must have been making out like bandits. No refunds have been dispensed and no actors were paid yet. But the actors now fear for their lives because they have the entirety of Scotland against them. It's not their fault. No, it's not their fault. And we actually have Willy Wonka himself, who is speaking out, who's trying to save his skin, saying, I had nothing to do with this. So this is the actor for Willy Wonka. This is cut 10. So the first red flag for me was when I was cast as Willy Wonka. (laughs) Um, Anyone who looks at me and thinks Willy Wonka and not Oompa Loompa is out of their mind. I give off major Oompa Loompa energy. Um, but not like a good Oompa Loompa, not like one of the, like like one that's at the back during the dance numbers, like falling over like your aunt at a line dancing class on holiday. So that's Paul Connell. He was cast as Willy Wonka. They were given a script and then told to ad lib on top of the script. And I believe the script was uh, written by AI, and so were the the advertisements were designed by AI. So it was created this whole magical masterpiece that ended up falling flat then we we i want to say something here one they don't deserve their money back you pay for this i'm sorry it's a story you you paid 44 dollars for an incredible story you get to say you took part in this thing that went viral that's all over the world okay it's not like you were at firefest you had no water you were in the middle of nowhere that's number one number two well we don't know that they had water they only were given... But they weren't, they weren't on an island. ...of lemonade. Yeah, but they, they, they could... I'm just, it wasn't the middle That's of nowhere. That's true. They weren't on an yeah, island. They didn't take a flight together. My second point is, in the movie, Willy Wonka... Is, is the first the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? I think the first one was... The first one, I believe, is Willy Wonka. Okay, Willy Wonka and the Cho- Chocolate Factory. In the movie, it is a scary experience for the children and for the parents. Like, it is not what it was originally billed as. That's kind of the entire plot of the movie is, oh, we thought we were getting this, and Augustus Gloop gets sucked up into the tube, and the other kid gets shrunken down into the size of, like, a jelly bean, and Charlie inhales all that stuff, and he's flying up towards the fan. So really, It's a horror movie. If everyone left intact, it was a success. Yes, and I think it was actually a lot more accurate and a lot more... Uh, it had as much integrity to the original film as they possibly could have. It, the, the original film does look rather homemade. I mean, you can tell that that fountain is not chocolate. Unless, if you go to that event and you don't blow up this and turn into a blueberry, then you made off better than the actual cast, the actual first group of kids in the movie. Right. Although... So the the one video of the Oompa Loompa went viral. People were saying, is this woman on meth? She looks so depressed. Aww. Yeah, so we do we do want to save her name here. So she got a special... Vulture.com reached out, and they did a little feature. Um, so tell me about yourself. What do you do when you're not dressed as an Oompa Loompa? So she's 29, and she's an actor. And she wants to do more in kids' entertainment. And you know what? I really hope that she comes back from this better and she gets a spot she gets discovered well this is i mean i've already said this expression today but this is every knock a boost i mean you're in scotland you're doing like what regional theater and all of a sudden everybody knows you this is good all publicity is good publicity in this case what else you got emma we have this is from the boston globe rodents have returned to the city in force so we're gonna we're gonna take a little a trip to local news so 
during COVID, the rodents left the city because there was no food out because restaurants were closed. Then they are now back and they are reproducing in numbers. Never. Well, you know what? We're going to kill rats. And it's your fault, Grace. Mine specifically? Yes. Well, not specifically, but our fault together. Women. No. Conservatives. Probably, but residents. So it's because gonna, my next one was going to say white people. I'm just trying to think of what Evan and I <laughs> have in common. White people. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's the inhabitants of the city, and it's our fault because of our lack of hygiene. Okay, so th- that's actually something where I had at one point a mouse when I lived in South Boston, and I felt such shame, and I you know started scrubbing my kitchen. And my mom told me she said, you know, this happens to a lot of people living in the city. You shouldn't take it so personally. It doesn't mean you're not clean. It just means you had a mouse. Like people get rodents yes so i don't i don't appreciate being shamed like this is my problem there are several large rat burrows all over the city sewer rats in east boston the size of people's cats so 311 is getting a lot of calls and there so we've talked about hiring a rat czar in boston as they do in new york city and they pay a lot in new york city yes hundred and something thousand dollars a year in new york city it's 155k and uh, city councilor Ed Flynn said that it would be 125 to 140K in Boston. What do you need to be a rat czar? Like, I have put down a trap before and caught not a rat, but a mouse. Do I qualify? You've technically exterminated, yeah. I suppose. But I'm sure this would be the peak of someone's extermination career. I don't mean to be like a fact checker here. Because I- I- I'm not Daniel Dale. I'm not Glenn Kessler. But you just said that there's rats in East Boston the size of cats. Yes. So the sewer rats. Meow. That that does not make any. If there were rats in East Boston the size of a cat, I feel like there would be a photo somewhere that I would have seen by now. <laughs> Do you know the stuff that goes viral nowadays? It's like the, the most dumb things ever go viral. The local news, I watch it now because it's on before Jeopardy. They are, they are all desperate for content. If they had a photo of a rat the size of a cat... It would be on TV. I would have seen it. But they ran like rats. Now, of course, you have progressive solutions to this where we shouldn't be vilifying the rats and we should should instead start composting. Now, I think this is a horrible idea and would actually contribute to more rats because you're putting all the food in the same place. Yeah. What do you think of when it comes to like rats and stuff, the traps that hurt them versus the traps they get stuck in? All good. Whatever. Put them out Whatever of their misery. Of it don't just hurting them is a little, a little extreme. I don't know, I'd say, but I don't know if them getting stuck in that glue. I don't know if that's putting them out of their misery. That almost seems like a worse death to me. Yes, that's like what I'm saying. You get stuck and then you get left there and you're just covered in like sludge. And then you have to deal with the rat. Like, what do you do with the sticky? Sometimes their leg falls off. You got like a three-legged rat on your goo. Okay, well, this has been really fun and I really appreciate you coming on. It is lunchtime though, so I'm going to let people uh I'm going to let people just enjoy their afternoon with I eat no for breakfast. No more rat talk. Thank you Emma Foley. We appreciate you coming on. When we come back, we got a lot to talk about. We got a guest coming up at 2:30 to talk about the state committee races, so don't go anywhere. The Grace Curley show will be right back. This is the Grace Curley Show. As the Tebby Stewart Sinclair tells the New York Times, his three kids, quote, got two jelly beans each, and then they got a half a cup of lemonade. Things unraveled so fast that the event was canceled by the afternoon of February 24th, per NBC News. 
and the police service of Scotland was called to the scene as visitors demanded refunds of their thirty-five. The police were called. Fee, which okay, to okay. About Forty-four American dollars. A lot of people in the text center are saying, "Oh, Grace, you should check out the videos. You'll change your mind on this." I saw the videos of the warehouse with like the inflatable lollipop. I still don't think those people should get their money back. First of all, they gave the entire world a reason to join together to get on board with something ridiculous. The same thing I'd say about Firefest. Second of all, the the most egregious thing they did at that place, it's not the decorations. The warehouse looked clean. They hired actors. The most egregious thing they did was the jelly beans and the lemonade. Like you can give each kid a candy bar. If you're making they probably made thousands of dollars from all those kids or maybe a thousand dollars you can afford to get a box of candy bars and give each kid one candy bar and i also just want to say that journalism is so important it's so important to ask questions and when emma foley was in here for last call and we really appreciate her coming in it's become a really fun segment people like but i have to be the one to say this she comes on here and she says oh yeah but was talking about rats in boston she goes in east boston there's rats the size of cats and what did I say, Jared? I said, hold on a second. The size of cats? The size of cats. It just didn't sound right to me. Before she leaves, she reads it again to me and she says, oh, the guy said it, the rat was about half the size of his cat. Meow. Important. That's an important detail right there. As I said, if there were rats scampering about the size of kitty cats, I think we would know about it. Today's poll question is brought to you by the Nasa Beach Inn. Right now, you can stay at the Nasa Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. To reserve your pet-friendly ocean view room, go to nasabeachinn.com. That's nasabeachinn.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is what was the worst moment of Biden's border drive-by? Calling people Neanderthals, begging Trump to help him with the border, reading off his cheat sheet, calling for a kumbaya moment with Republicans, or asking Mayorkas, what are we doing uh, big things? I'm going to say the Neanderthals, mostly because I don't understand, and I guess you can bring up climate change whenever you want. If you're a Democrat, it works into every single issue. But I don't know why he goes to the border and talks about climate change. 33% say calling people Neanderthals is the worst. 25% for begging Trump to help him, and 24% for Eskimo how many uh, big things they're doing. Okay, everybody, we got Holly Robichaud coming up next to talk about the state committee races on Tuesday. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Tuesday is a big day in Massachusetts. We have the state committee races coming up. And joining us to talk about this is political strategist Holly Robichaud. We're also going to pick Holly's brain about the illegal immigration crisis that is now affecting a lot of Boston. Holly, I want to talk about uh, what issues you think are the most important right now in Massachusetts. I know a lot of these candidates are campaigning on them. What do you hear from people? What do they care about most? Uh, Well, it's illegal immigration is the most important issue. Um, And for what I'm hearing for the state committee, uh, overall, it's, you know, do you want to win or do you want to lose? So, and um, and I think you've got to look at, you know, people that want to, to build the party. 
Um, Howie and Kathy have um, really, you know, I mean, they've stepped forward with this young um, New England Young Republicans group, um, pushing that forward. And uh, I just, you know, that's gotten a lot of new young people involved in, you know, Republican politics here in Massachusetts. And they're the future. They're the ones that are going to help build the party. Um, I mean, we've got a lot going on, and I think it's about moving forward and making sure we elect people that want to, to move forward and, and win races. I mean, look at this, you know, um, state, we have not won any state Senate seats, and with um, the new election of Peter Drant, we've elected the most conservative member to the Senate that we've had in at least two decades. And uh, I couldn't be happier because he's the one who's leading the effort to um, to amend the right to shelter law so that it only applies to our legal residents, uh, which is which would stop the Maura Healy, um, you know, from bringing all the illegal immigrants into Massachusetts. Holly, that was going to be my next question for you. You have a lot of antennas out at Beacon Hill, and and I've noticed that there's a little bit of a panic setting in for a lot of these politicians, these elected officials, that they're starting to see the ramifications of this open border, and this crisis is starting to affect a lot of their constituents. What do you hear? What's the reaction? Do people realize that this could be very damaging for their political careers? Well, when you see the Suffolk University poll, say that illegal immigration is the second uh, most important issue, which Suffolk is pretty liberal. So that means it's the top issue. <laughs> and, and, um, and yeah, I've actually um, uh, spoken with a Democratic uh, state representative who was like, uh, you know, they are cutting um, the funds for my food pantry um, and, well, to give it to illegal immigrants. And he goes, how do I explain that back in the district? And and he goes, you go to leadership, and they're just like, well, we're going to follow along with what Maura Healy's doing. And they're very worried about being held accountable. Um, and in the Senate, we've got a, the, we, we do have a vote where they voted down uh, the, um, the effort of Peter Durant's effort to amend the right to shelter law. So, I mean, so we've got some votes to use against the Democrats, at least on the Senate side. Uh, hopefully, in the House budget that's coming up at the end of April, we can get some more votes and uh, and put the Democrats on the spot. But look, at the end of the day, the Democrats are responsible for this, for what's happening. They all voted for more Keeley, right? One, okay. Two, they all voted to give more uh, in-state tuition breaks for the illegal immigrants. I mean, every time you turn around, they they voting for the illegal immigrants. They all gave them driver's licenses for the illegal immigrants. And when Maury Healy started this summer putting these illegal immigrants across the state, you didn't hear the Democrats speak out. When veterans were kicked out of their hotel rooms, you didn't hear any of these Democrats kicked out of, uh, you know, talking about the veterans that had been kicked out. None of them stood up for the veterans. Um, every Democrat in the state is responsible for the illegal immigration problem that we have going on right now. Yeah, I, I think that's really well said, Holly. And um, have you been hearing from Republicans about what can be done about this? Because most of the time, and we saw this at the Seaport, when when the constituents are getting to talk to their elected leaders, they're being told basically these decisions have already been made. There's nothing you can do about it. So is there anything that Republicans are discussing as far as how to fight this or how to have a little bit more of a say as to what goes on here? Because it all seems to be very pieced together at the last minute. Well, what you got to do is we've got to elect more Republicans to office next November. 
And that's why Tuesday's state committee races are so important, that the, the candidates have the support that they need to win in November 2024. Um, yeah, I mean, none of the Democrats have gone, you know, when, when these illegal immigrants have been forced upon, um, like, say, like the city of Taunton, the state rep and the state, you know, state senator never went and, and spoke with, with the city officials. Uh, never said, wait a minute, we'll advocate, uh, to, to the governor, say that this isn't the place to put them. I mean, they've gotten no help on this. Uh, and I would just say again that every Democrat has, you know, is responsible for what is going on. Now, I believe that in November 2024, Republicans can make a huge comeback. If you remember back into 1990, the Republicans made a huge comeback, um, when they ran against the Massachusetts service sales tax, where the Democrats put taxes on 800 services in the state of Massachusetts. And uh, we won so many seats. This illegal immigration situation is the same thing for 2024. I believe that people will go to the polls and throw Democrats out out of office because they don't like that $2 billion so far are being spent on illegal immigrants. And that number is growing on a daily basis. Well, remember last year we, um, well, the last year of uh, Charlie Baker, we all got a big refund back from the state, and that refund disappeared because uh, because more Healy spent it all on illegal immigrants. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like it's going to slow down anytime soon. Holly Robichaud, political strategist, we really appreciate you coming on the show. We'll talk to you very soon, I'm sure. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Howard Lawrence Carr. There's a lot brewing out there today. Howie's got a piece out actually on this exact topic about just how much money has been going towards this crisis. And it's specifically all about Massachusetts, Maura Healy, and the House Speaker. So we can get to that with Howie as well. It's Friday. This is The Grace Curley Show, and we will be right back. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. All right, so Biden was at the border yesterday. Trump was also at the border, and it was not success for Joe. He he kind of launched into a strange speech. And I don't really understand, Jared, where the climate change came into it. But, you know, they'll always find a way. They really will. And so can I have cut one? I want to just kind of go through these cuts really quick. This is Joe Biden. This is before he he's asking Republicans to join him, to join him, to unify. He first wants to let them know that they are Neanderthals, because that's usually the way he's a deal maker. This man knows how to negotiate. He's saying, listen, you dumb, ugly Neanderthals. Join us. Help me help you. This is cut one. The idea there's no such thing as climate change. I love that, man. I love some of my Neanderthal friends uh, who still think there's no climate change. He loves his Neanderthal friends. Okay. Um, Now can I have cut two? This is when he switches gears a little bit. This is like good cop, bad cop, but it's all Joe Biden playing each role. This is when he softens up and he's looking for a little bit of love. This is cut two. I understand my predecessor's legal past today. So here's what I would say to Mr. Trump. Instead of playing politics with this issue, 
instead of telling members of Congress to block this legislation, join me, or I'll join you in telling the Congress to pass this bipartisan border security bill. We can do it together. You know and I know it's the toughest, most efficient, most effective border security bill this country has ever seen. So instead of playing politics with the issue, why don't we just get together and get it done? Instead of playing politics, coming from the man who cannot talk about anything without bringing up mega, mega Republicans. And now we're finding out that his aides, the people surrounding him, we, we knew they had a bubble wrap strategy to try to prevent him from falling. But now they're also trying to vet everyone who comes to his events in a way to uh, make sure they don't get any protesters. Howie, it's a lot of work to take care of Joe Biden. It is. I, I was thinking about it after watching him walk yesterday down on the border. And, and I was comparing him to a zombie, but I was thinking if, if you were in a, as, as a movie, an extra in a zombie movie, and you were walking like that, the director would say, cut, cut. Hey, Joe, come on. Zombies are dead, but they, they move around. They're sort of alive. You look just plain dead. I always say the same thing about the Hunter Biden scandal. I say if you brought that to a director, they would say it's too obvious. You know, nobody would ever think that you could get away with all of this stuff. You know what I just did, Grace? I just printed out uh, the uh, 200 page plus uh, Hunter Biden deposition. And I'm going to go through it this weekend and see if there's any masterpiece theater material. I think there there has I to be. I think there is. I mean, Howie, I was thinking today, I was reading the back and forth between Swalwell and Nadler and Comer, and I thought, ooh, I should have I should have planned ahead here and had a few different actors on board because it's amazing that before it even starts up, Eric Swalwell is trying to give Comer a hard time, and he says, are you going to release the transcripts in Russian or English? Right. Right. I don't think it's not, it's not even a good joke. But my, the one, the one I'm a, my favorite so far is uh, when he says, well, you know, a lot of the stuff that, okay, the, the laptop's real, but there's a lot of stuff in there that's fake. And, and whoever's at, so, oh, yeah, like what? He goes, I don't have time to get into it now. This is like hate mail. <laughs> Can we get a citation, please, sir? Yeah, it really is ridiculous. And then, Howie, the other part of this that I would love your take on is this guy. Uh, he's the, White House, uh, he's the president, uh, the White House special assistant to the president, Ian Sams. And he wants a retraction from Fox News because they keep talking about these bribery allegations against Hunter Biden. And so what everyone's trying to do now on Team Biden is they're trying to use this Alexander Smirnov as a way to basically discount any accusation that's ever been brought forth against Hunter Biden. This is like the sweetheart deal that that judge tossed out. They want to say, well, because of Smirnov, you can't accuse Biden of doing anything wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, Comer and Jordan put out a good letter yesterday to the FBI, and they said, well, if this is, or in the Justice Department, well, if, if this guy was so fraudulent, how come you used him for 14 years, paid him hundreds of thousands of dollars, and how come you couldn't give us his name? They didn't, you know, you, you know they had the entire uh, 1023FD 10, or whatever it's called, but they didn't have his name because they refused to release it because it was a national security risk until he was indicted they didn't, they didn't even know what his name was and and they, he was a he was a confidential human source and they they accepted everything he said until he accused the Bidens of taking 10 million bucks. <laughs> that was a bridge too far, even <laughs> for them. Um, Howie, one other story I wanted to get in here. Well, actually, two. So we've got the closing arguments going on in this case. I know the other day you did a poll question where you said, what's going to happen to Fannie Willis? What's going to happen to Nathan Wade? This is the disqualification hearing in Fulton County. And 
I agree with you that being a Democrat means really never having to say you're sorry or have any sort of consequences. But I have to imagine she's going to be disqualified from this case based off everything we've seen now. Yeah, I, it's it's hard to imagine that she would be allowed to stay on it. But but again, I mean, we live in a banana republic, Grace. Even even ten years ago, you'd say this is a this is a no brainer, a slam dunk. But I, I don't, I, I'm not sure. But but Howie, when the judge says, I don't think. So you've been to a lot of trials, right? If a judge says, Hey guys, I've got enough information here. I don't really need to hear any closing arguments. Is that usually a good sign for the person like Fannie Willis or a bad sign? I I don't know. It's 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 hard. You know, again, this is you know, this is not like a uh, an old-fashioned trial where you have rules of evidence and you know, preponderance of evidence or beyond a reasonable doubt, whatever the kind of court it is. This is strictly political. This guy's up for re-election in uh, in May. Yeah, and, and I know it's a nonpartisan election, but I, I got to think he's uh, here in the footsteps. I would agree. Howie, the other story that I wanted to ask you about, because we've been talking recently about how when you uh, when you read about the Robert Hur report, for example, you'll hear how they can like see into Joe Biden's heart. They know what his intentions are. They know that he didn't mean to. And they know, know what a jury, they know what a jury would do. Yeah. they, they just, Before they even take it to a grand jury, they know what the jury in the courtroom is going to do. They can understand the intent of someone just by looking right. into their soul, as long as that person's a Democrat. And that brings me to this headline from ABC News. It says, Pentagon finds no one to blame for keeping Secretary Austin's hospital stay a secret. No one to blame. So they do this investigation, an internal Pentagon review. It reminds me of when NBC investigated Matt Lauer. Like, oh, yeah, I'm sure this review's on the level. And they conclude that there was no indication of ill intent or an attempt to obfuscate the situation. What do you make of that? It's great to be a Democrat once again. It really is. No one's to blame. I've never heard of a situation where so many people drop the ball and no one. But then then they ask Austin about it. And he basically blamed his staffers, which is one of my favorite moves, because it's, it's so typical. It, why not? Joe Biden blames his staffers for everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you do. I just got a. Uh, I'm looking at a text here. Uh, haven't you ever been stumbling around Boston after last call? I've seen lots of enormous rats late at night or once or twice during the day. I used to see when I when the Herald was in the South End, the the worst time I thought was you know when you're just walking in you know on the edge of Chinatown on the South End, <laughs> and you'd be crossing the street and you'd suddenly step on something kind of squishy, and it would be a giant rat that had been run over by a uh, by a car or a truck. What? But what's the biggest size rat you've ever seen? I, I like I said in the in the South End, I mainly saw them dead. They they were they're pretty. They're pretty good about running away and, and but they ran like rats. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Joe Early and I, yeah, I, Joe Early and I that many today. times. That's what we said. Yeah, That's well, they're what... looking for a rat czar, and they're willing to pay the person like uh, somewhere in the hundred thousand dollar range. So, could be a good gig for you, Howie. What do yeah, you think? I, I, I've been hunting rats here uh, at the Republican State Committee for a while. It's it's get, it gets pretty tiresome, Grace. It pays well, though, my friend. Don't rule it out. Howie Cars coming up next. Thank you all for tuning into our Friday show. We'll be back Monday with more.